This is Guns and Butter. So something drastic had to be done, and that drastic something from the standpoint of the U.S. Uh, oligarchy or the, the patriarchs is called Donald Trump. And the job of Donald Trump is through deception to split Russia from China. You have to divide and rule. That combination is something the U.S. cannot defeat as long as it's uh, growing. So they have to start making a courtship of Putin and say, listen, uh, you know, let's make a deal, like Trump would say. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. Today on Guns and Butter, F. William Engdahl. Today's show, the incredible Trump deception. William Engdahl is an international political analyst, economist, and author. He is currently visiting professor of geopolitics at Northwest University, Xi'an, China. Among his best-known books are A Century of War, Anglo-American Oil Politics, and The New World Order, Gods of Money, Wall Street, and the Death of the American Century, and Seeds of Destruction, The Hidden Agenda of Genetic Manipulation, completing a trilogy on the power of oil, food, and money control. His book, Target China, How Washington and Wall Street Plan to Cage the Asian Dragon, has been a bestseller in Chinese. His latest book is The Lost Hegemon, Whom the Gods Would Destroy, about the CIA and political Islam. Today we examine some of the early political appointments of the new Trump administration and the geopolitical shift in American foreign policy that it represents. William Engdahl, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be with you, Bonnie. Your latest article is entitled The Dangerous Deception Called the Trump Presidency. Donald Trump put forth some populist ideas in his presidential campaign, such as his goal to have good relations with Russia, his criticism of the vicious ISIS jihadis, uh, support for rebuilding domestic infrastructure, among others. What do you consider to be the dangerous deception? The dangerous deception is, number one, Donald Trump, who he is as a person, uh, is not at all what the American people or the world really is, is hoping. He is a complete uh, showman work of, of uh, I don't know, uh, stagecraft. That being said, we have to look behind the people who are elected president. Look at how it was with Obama when he came in on the banner of, and what did he do? The first thing he did was ramp up the Afghan war with 30,000 uh, troop surge, the Petraeus uh, strategy. And ever since then, he's been in Arab Spring, uh, wars across the Middle East, destruction of Libya, trying to destroy Syria. Uh, every single financial appointment of Obama was dictated by Robert Rubin and the people at Goldman Sachs and, and uh, Citigroup. So we've had that experience with Obama, and now we have this thing called the Trump presidency. Well, we as human beings love to hope we love to have hopes. 
And I know so many normally intelligent people, commentators, analysts like myself, uh, who have a sense of world politics, who are just taken in by this uh, shill called Donald Trump. The man's look at his background, and this I did back in, in March, April, in a piece I wrote on my website uh, called The Mafia Dog. Donald Trump is a protege of organized crime. His mentor was a, a mafia lawyer in New York named Roy Cohn. And Roy Cohn, who was famous, infamous in the uh, Joseph McCarthy uh, hearings back during the 50s in the, in the Cold War, Roy Cohn was a, a lawyer for the mob. He was connected with uh, the Cardinal Spellman of, of New York. Uh, back in the 50s and the 60s, one of the leading architects of the Cold War. But, but uh, okay, let's say he underwent a remarkable transformation. Then we have to look a little bit into who are the people around Donald Trump. In my view, Donald Trump is pure showtime. He's a choice of what I call the American patriarchs, the David Rockefellers, George Soroses, and so forth. And uh, the idea that a maverick, a real upsetter, uh, a man of the raw blue collar working people who's gonna reverse all these trade policies and uh, do this and that and the other thing and make America great again, even though the banks of Wall Street aren't gonna like it, and the military industrial, whatever that the people like David Rockefeller would sit there and have their jaws open and say, my God, we can't do anything to stop this Trump phenomenon. What a crock, what a nonsense. You know, wake up, look at this. This was orchestrated, probably the Hillary thing was orchestrated as, as a part of the same theater. But certainly the Cruz and Rubio and uh, Ben Carson and Jeb Bush you know, they were all given their roles to play that Trump would emerge as this phenomenon. And, you know, he certainly did, but with the full support of the critical media going attacking Trump so that the, uh, the man on the street would think, oh, this guy is against the uh, Main Street establishment. Let's look at him more closely. Well, let's take a look at this grassroots revolution of Donald Trump in the uh, form of the people he's, he's appointed. Take, for example, Mike Flynn, three-star general, former head of the Defense Intelligence Agency. Supposedly, we're told he was fired from DIA by the Obama administration because he objected to the demonization of Putin and Russia and thought uh, the military of the United States should focus more on ISIS and the Islamic terrorism in the Middle East. Well, Mike Flynn is, he will be now the national security advisor. He is reportedly sitting next to Donald Trump and making the decisive uh, votes on who shall be the other uh, key figures for, for the Trump administration in, in terms of defense, national security, uh, and so forth. So... Mike Flynn, we're told that uh, he's a good guy because 
He later admitted after being in favor of the invasion of Iraq by Bush in 2003, said that was actually a mistake looking back on it, a strategic mistake. Not a tragic mistake, but a strategic, he's a military man. Okay, the Flynn policy is connected very much with the policies of Benjamin Netanyahu, and this may shock some of your listeners, but let's go to another person, Walid Fares, who's Trump's advisor on terrorism in the Middle East. Well, Walid Fares gave an interview in the Egyptian press where he said that Donald Trump plans to back legislation to outlaw the Muslim Brotherhood. Now, keep in mind, Huma Abedin, the right-hand, uh, I don't know what you want to call her, of Hillary Clinton for the last, since she was 19 years old, the estranged wife of, of uh, Mr. Wiener, the former congressman, uh, Huma Abedin is a Muslim brother. She's a member of a death cult called, uh, out of Egypt called the Muslim Brotherhood. Her mother is a Muslim brother. They call it the sisterhood because it's an all-male society. But there are females, and, and Huma and her mother are members of that female branch of the Muslim Brotherhood. It's a terrorist organization. It's the mother organization to the Mujahideen, to Al-Qaeda of Osama bin Laden. It's a CIA project that goes back to the 1920s in Egypt, but when British intelligence was working with them. And this now is on the bad list, of apparently, of the Trump presidency. But look more closely at who is Walid Ferris, the advisor of Trump. You know, he didn't just drop out of the trees somewhere. He's a senior fellow on a very small and highly politicized think tank in Washington called the Foundation for defense of democracies. Now, the FDD, let's call it the FDD, was set up in the wake of September 11, 2001. The money bags for it come from the notorious Sheldon Adelson, a friend of Donald Trump, and the Las Vegas and Macau gambling casino billionaire, who gave the Trump campaign 25 million in the closing days, and who also is the main financial supporter of Benjamin Netanyahu and the Israeli Likud. Other backers of the Foundation for Defense of Democracies, where Trump's Middle East terrorist advisor comes from, include the whiskey heirs Samuel and Edgar Bronfman, Wall Street billionaire speculators Michael Steinhardt and Paul Singer. Every single one of them are Israel first, uh, Netanyahu uh, Likud connected. The Vice President of, of the Foundation for Defense of Democracies is a man called Toby Dershowitz. He spent 14 years as APAC communication head. For those of you who don't know, the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee has been described by John Mearsheimer at the University of Chicago as, quote, an agent of the Israeli government with a stranglehold on the United States Congress with its power and influence. Donald Trump was a featured speaker in the March 2016 APAC annual meeting as of course was Hillary. Okay, now let's slowly go back to Mike Flynn, the man who will head up the National Security Council, but his plan is to change the powers of the National Security Council and the advisor to the president to make him the sole powerful figure of the entire US intelligence community 
with power to hire or fire if the director of the CIA doesn't suit his liking, he's gone. This is the bill that uh, Mike Flynn is uh, advocating in the Trump presidency. We'll see how that goes. And Flynn agrees that the Iran nuclear deal that Obama made with Iran should be scrapped. He calls Iran a state sponsor of terrorism. That's something that Yahoo finds very nice. But here's the interesting thing. For those of you who have a memory that goes back to the 1970s and, and uh, world geopolitics, Flynn co-authored a book that was published earlier this year with a man named Michael Ledeen. Now, I'm an author. I've written nine books in, in over the years, and you don't just co-author a book with any bloke on the street. You have to have someone whose thoughts are in full harmony with yours, otherwise it doesn't work. Well, who is Michael Ledeen? He's also a freedom scholar at, well, isn't this interesting, the Foundation for Defense of Democracies. Uh, CIA director James Woolsey III, uh, frothing at the mouth neocon, who talked about a 30 years war after 9-11, and who's rumored for some top position in the Trump project, is a member of the FDD Foundation for Defense of Democracy Leadership Council. So now we begin to get an idea. This uh, whole foreign policy of Trump, let's step back a little bit. A year ago, the foreign policy strategy that had been followed since 9-11 by George W. Bush Cheney, by Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, et al., was a catastrophic failure. The decision by Washington to create a coup d'etat in Ukraine to drive a wedge between the European Union, especially Germany and Russia, to break the economic links that were growing very, very strong because it's a natural fit. Well, that coup d'etat had a backfire effect, a boomerang effect. It drove Russia closer to China and it created the geopolitical nightmare that Zbigniew Brzezinski talks about in his famous 1997 book, The Grand Chess Game, the cohesion of the states of Eurasia. Now, if anyone takes out a map and looks at the land space of Russia, which goes all the way to the Pacific, Vladivostok, and the land space of China, and look at the countries in between who are all members of something called the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, and the fact that China is building a network of high-speed, cutting-edge, state-of-the-art railways infrastructure, crisscrossing all of this space, including Russia, then we begin to see that the patriarchs or the oligarchs uh, who viewed the United States as their, their kind of uh, platform to destroy the world and destroy nation-states all over the world, they were beginning to lose everywhere. And when the president of a, of a small country, the Philippines, which has been occupied by the United States since 1898, uh, calls the president of the United States the son of a whore, then you know that the credibility and the, uh, the influence, the soft power of the United States is really hurting. 
I'm speaking with international political analyst, economist, and author F. William Engdahl. Today's show, The Incredible Trump Deception. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. So everywhere, uh, Turkey, after the failed CIA coup with Fethullah Gulen back in July this year, Erdogan began making very, very strong moves toward cooperation, not only with Russia, but with the Shanghai cooperation countries with Eurasia. And it's a natural fit. Turkey's future isn't the European Union. The European Union is collapsing. It's falling apart. Turkey is beginning to sense its economic future lies with Russia, lies with cooperation with with China and the high-speed rail links that would be a natural fit for the, the Turkish economy. So something drastic had to be done, and that drastic something from the standpoint of the U.S. Uh, oligarchy or the, the patriarchs, the silly old uh, patriarchs as I call them sometimes, is called Donald Trump. And the job of Donald Trump is through deception to split Russia from China. You have to divide and rule. That combination is something the U.S. cannot defeat as long as it's uh, growing. So they have to start making a courtship of Putin and say, listen, uh, you know, let's make a deal, like Trump would say, and whisper pretty things in the ears of Vladimir Putin and most Russians, the Russian media, I know I uh, travel to Russia quite often. My books are translated in Russian language, my articles as well, and I know many, many Russians. The Russian media is probably more pro-Donald Trump than the U.S. media. They, they think this is finally, they're you know so tired of this, every bad thing that happens in the world is because of Putin. Uh, it's like being mobbed and finally here comes Trump and he starts whispering friendly things. But that's the game. To shift away from the Muslim Brotherhood card that was the Obama administration uh, geo-strategy, using radical Islam as a as a proxy for uh, expanding empire, if you want to call it, to using Israel, using the Mossad, using the Israeli Defense Forces, and all of the geopolitical leverage that Israel has in the Middle East and uh, other places, which is considerable, uh, as, as their strategic weapon. At the same time, this thing about making America great again, more and more it's becoming clear what Trump and his economic advisors are talking about is a Reagan kind of rebuilding of the American military might. The Navy has been allowed to deteriorate over the past 25, 30 years significantly. The spending on the Pentagon is so out of control the uh, Auditor General last summer, uh, Inspector General, who, who is responsible for the audits of the branch service branches, certified that there was $6.5 trillion of U.S. Army expenses in recent years that doesn't have a paper trail. There is no audit trail possible. $6.5 trillion. Look at this all-purpose, all-service fighter jet that's going to cost taxpayers $1.3, $1.5 trillion for something that's a heap of junk. doesn't work. So 
with a shoestring budget after the uh, uh, invitation to intervene in, in Syria against the terrorists, Russia demonstrated that with a shoestring budget, they had developed military technologies that are bleeding edge, not just the state of the art, bleeding edge, and uh, literally shocked the Pentagon uh, military strategists at what Russia has accomplished in the last 10 years quietly. But when, when the U.S. announced that it was going for missile defense in Poland and the Czech Republic in 2007, if you recall, then Vladimir Putin in his first presidency was invited to Munich for the International Security Conference, annual conference. He gave a speech and he said to say that this missile defense in Poland and the Czech Republic is aimed at rogue states like Iran or North Korea is, as we say in Russia, like using your right hand to scratch your left ear. It's nonsense. This is aimed at Russia, and it is aimed at Russia. So ever since that time, of course, it's greatly expanded. NATO troops are being mounted on the border of Russia. Uh, the U.S., Victoria Nuland, the Assistant Secretary for Eastern Europe and Europe, and Turkey also, by the way, uh, brought a bunch of neo-Nazis into the regime in Kiev uh, when they ousted the democratically elected president. He may have been a thief, but he was democratically elected thief and uh, put in a bunch of fascist oligarchs that uh, are simply looting and plundering Ukraine and making war against the eastern parts of Ukraine. Uh, it's just uh, it's a failed state. That is the U.S. handwork. That's the Washington uh, project. So something had to be done. And that something is what you see shaping up with, with Trump. They're going to make China into the enemy image. They're going to try to split off Russia through hook and crook, through uh, disinformation, through who knows what. They'll probably lift the sanctions at some point uh, to try to get Russia off guard and try to sow seeds of discord between Russia and China. And uh, then with that, they're going to target China massively. They've already begun it with this so-called accidental phone call between Trump and the president of Taiwan, breaching some 40 years of diplomatic protocol. So this is this is the Trump presidency. Michael Ledeen is the godfather, the co-author with, with Flynn of this book. He's the godfather of the neoconservatives. He's the mentor of Paul Wolfowitz, Dick Cheney, Donald Rumsfeld, the the war faction of George W. Bush. This is Donald Trump. You've described the Trump presidency as the install a plan B president. So yeah. you've kind of started to talk about what plan B is. You have mm -hmm. written that Donald Trump was put into office to prepare America for war. Yeah. Uh, now, of course, the people that have been uh, listening to his campaign would probably not think that. But sure. What in your well, view? He, what, what he doesn't want it. He wants to win the win the power. It doesn't, the people behind him want to win the power. They don't want to freak the population out. Well, what in your view would this war look like, and what would be the time frame? And maybe you can talk about that in conjunction with some of these other cabinet appointees. I mean, sure. he's, got, he's got quite a few of them now. Yeah. Uh, I 
think what what they realized is that the the banks of Wall Street, the financial crash of two thousand eight, the fact that uh, the the six criminal banks of J P Morgan Chase, uh, Citigroup, Bank of America, and so forth have been on artificial life support now for eight years at 0.25 interest rate of the Fed. Uh, this, this isn't a military base to win a war. The, the, what Russia did in Syria, that tiny little shoestring budget that they deployed in Syria, if that's combined with the uh, military buildup that's going on in China, then you have the capacity to defend the Eurasian land space against anything the United States can set. Keep in mind the agenda of people like Zbigniew Brzezinski, the agenda of David Rockefeller, the agenda of these oligarchs. And I, I assume that your listeners understand the term oligarch because that's what these people are. They're patriarchs, really. Uh, their agenda is new world order, one world government. Global. This isn't conspiracy theory. This is their agenda. David Rockefeller even stated so in his autobiography several years ago. He said, if this is the charge I'm charged with, I'm proud of it. So, and Zbigniew Brzezinski, back in the 70s, in his Technotronic Era book, writes about the fact that the nation state has to be eliminated. So, who are the strongest nation states on the face of the earth today? China, Russia, Iran, and the three of them are cooperating in a way that never has taken place before. So this is the war that, that they are preparing for. I think my own guess is that it will take between four, six, eight years, something in that uh, time frame. It won't work in the end. It's, it's a failed strategy, but that's all they know. Their, their mentality is going back to 1939 and Roosevelt and the military buildup for World War II. That's, you know, that's, that's the, the template that they have in their mind, that we, we just do that again with modern technology and blah, blah, blah. So it's already Trump has pledged uh, the biggest naval buildup under his presidency since the huge naval buildup of Ronald Reagan. And, you know, you look at the Secretary of State for the first time since uh, George Marshall, the beginning of the Cold War, there is a retired military general as defense secretary. There had been a tradition to always have a civilian as head of defense. Now we've got a man who's known as the warrior monk, Mad Dog Mathis. Uh, the man I would say if I were a clinical psychologist, I would call him a psychopath from statements he's made and things he's done. The soldiers love him when you're in the trenches. He jumps down there with you. That's uh, said to be the, the case. So this is really not a group of pacifists that is coming around Trump. I think what you're going to see, the choice of Wilbur Ross as Commerce Secretary together with uh, his campaign manager, Steve Mnuchin, former partner at Goldman Sachs, as was his father. Steve Mnuchin, a former partner with the uh, Soros Fund management of George Soros. 
Steve Mnuchin, a business associate of Donald Trump, going back to Trump's casino days, they are going to create probably some kind of a national infrastructure bank or, or fund. They're going to have a strong dollar policy the way uh, Bush Sr. had, uh, or actually Reagan Bush, from 1980 until about 1985 when they, the dollar got so high it was threatening everything and they had this Plaza Accord meeting uh, and had Japan uh, uh, bring the dollar down. But uh, the policy will be to start interest rate increases with Europe in the critical bad shape it's in, especially after the Italian referendum, the European bank crises, and so forth. It won't take much to create a massive capital flight out of the Eurozone into where you're going to go. The U.S. dollar, Trump's building infrastructure, their new projects. So there's going to be hundreds of billions of dollars coming into the dollar. That'll drive the dollar up as well. That'll suck capital out from China. That'll suck capital out from uh, the emerging markets, the BRICS countries, and so forth. And it's going to be as simple as that, I think. It's, it's uh, Wilbur Ross. He cut his teeth uh, for about 14 years, as I recall, for Rothschild Incorporated, the, the New York arm of the British and French uh, Rothschild Banking Group. Uh, restructuring bankrupt companies. So he's going to restructure bankrupt America, perhaps. But uh, it has as their aim to rebuild, as the project for the new American century said back in 2000, rebuild America's defenses for war, not just uh, to play Monopoly or dominoes or something. I'm speaking with international political analyst, economist, and author F. William Engdahl. Today's show the incredible Trump deception. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. It's interesting what you're saying about their economic plan, because I was reading a, a financial analyst uh, on the internet who's trying to sell his, his analysis to investors, yeah. and he was yeah. saying exactly the same thing, basically that Europe is headed down and that there's going to be flight capital out of Europe into a safe haven, and it's going to create a stock market boom in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's so clear to me that people, uh, you know, most of the intelligent people I speak with here in Europe, uh, where I live in Germany, uh, they just don't get it. They 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 can't quite see where it's headed. But today, the prime minister of Italy resigned because he lost a referendum. Uh, Renzi, the Renzi government resigned. Now the Italian banks are on critical life support from the European Central Bank, whose head happens to be Italian, happens to be former Italian head for Goldman Sachs, uh, Mario Draghi. And the French banks are holding so much Italian state bonds, the debt of Italy. So if Italy's bonds start going belly up, the French banks will start coming under uh, critical attack. Greece is still not solved. Uh, you have elections next year in France with a very strong nationalist uh, party, Le Pen, Marine Le Pen, 
just everywhere you look, Europe is in a shambles. It's in dissolution. The Euro project is a catastrophic failure. It, uh, I was critical of it from the get-go back during the uh, 1990s when it was formulated. You cannot have a currency without national sovereignty. So that's, that, I think that's going to be the trend. You're going to see the euro uh, dramatically falling, capital flight into the dollar, and uh, that capital is going to be deployed. There will be, I'm sure there will be... Uh, tax favors for investing in infrastructure to make America great, this infrastructure fund that Trump has mentioned. And much like the REITs during the 1980s that created the real estate bubble, you're gonna have that with uh, investment in infrastructure. You get a tax advantage for investing in building a high-speed rail network in the East Coast of the US or the West Coast, I don't know. But it's all going to be one way or another connected to rebuilding America's defenses. And people are going to be happy because they have some real high-tech jobs for the first time in 15, 20 years, maybe. Uh, and they won't look so far beyond that to see that they're preparing for the next world war. So that's, I, you know, I ask your listeners to note what I'm saying, read my article for the details and store it away in the back of your mind and come back in six months or 12 months and see if what I'm saying is, is correct or not. See if uh, uh, we're not step-by-step -step rebuilding America's defenses. Now, with regard to another big war, uh, you've mentioned, of course, James Mattis to be defense secretary. His nickname of Mad Dog is a bit un unnerving. I read, <laughs> I, read, <laughs> I, read, <laughs> I read that he was in charge of the vicious scorched earth policy in Fallujah, Iraq. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. He's, he's a mad dog. He, he developed the U.S. government's counterinsurgency guide, COIN it's called in shorthand. Uh, and this is the warfare method that, that Petraeus implemented in Iraq and Afghanistan that created the ISIS. It created the ISIS. So this guy is pretty scary as a human being from everything I've seen on him. Uh, he ordered, uh, just to take one example, in 2004 in, in uh, uh, Iraq near the Syrian border, he ordered a bombing in 3 a.m. in the morning of a suspected safe house near the border in, in Iraq. And it later came to be known as the Mukhradib wedding party massacre. Uh, 42 civilian men, women, and children at a wedding celebration were simply blown to smithereens. And Matas later said, it took me 30 seconds to decide to bomb that location. No, no remorse whatsoever. No remorse whatsoever. The man is a psychopath. So, you know, point him at an enemy. Yeah, it's just, this is, <laughs> this is a little bit, you know, you want a steady hand at the uh, head of the Pentagon because this is a powerful force. And if you have someone of, of this kind of disposition, he lives to kill. Of course, he's very good at it, I'm sure. But you know, 
Of course, the, the civilian command at the Pentagon hasn't been exactly uh, pacifist. Well, no, they bought all the neocons in yes. the recent years. But yes. uh, Ash Carter, you know, he's just a Democratic neocon. Nothing, you know, even hidden about that. Let's talk about the Islamic jihadis and the Muslim Brotherhood. Now, okay. according to your analysis and let's say Trump as a president representing Plan B, mm-hmm. uh, you write that the decades-long CIA and Pentagon policy of training Muslim Brotherhood and other fanatic Muslim-origin terrorists to wage surrogate wars of empire have backfired badly. You write about a shift in Washington policy away from using Muslim Brotherhood towards more intimate restoration of full cooperation with Israel's right-wing Netanyahu Likud government. Mm-hmm. What is the evidence for this shift? And uh, what I'm also wondering about, my understanding is that Israel itself was also supporting these jihadis. Yes, that's true. <laughs> they have uh, dirty hands in all of this as well. Uh, I think the, the main thing we're going to see, and you can see it, uh, Mad Dog Mattis, the designate defense secretary, uh, Flynn, the national security director designate, and uh, the CIA designate, uh, all are agreed that the main problem, uh, the principal threat to stability in the Middle East, even above Al-Qaeda or ISIS, is Iran. So I think we're going to see a shift, which is very much what Netanyahu would love to see, toward a direct targeting of Iran by the U.S., and of the Hezbollah, which is supported by Iran in Syria and elsewhere, and uh, you know, try to really weaken Iran as much as possible. Because if you have a triangle, look at a map, and you'll see this much more clearly. If you have a triangle of economic ties across a land space, the the whole subject of geopolitics, the word is often misused, but it's geography and politics. And Halford Mackinder, the British architect of the theory of geopolitics back in 1904, described basically two kinds of power in the world militarily. Land power, and that is defined by the heartland Russia or China and Russia, Eurasia. And you have sea power, and that originally was the British Empire, control of the seas. And after World War II, it became the United States with the British as kind of a junior partner in that alliance. The focus will be to weaken or break Iran from this infrastructure triangle that's building up with Russia, uh, Iran and China around the high-speed railways and so forth. And also go after China in the South China Sea with with, uh, trade war threats, uh, currency wars and so forth, and then slowly escalating toward more military confrontation against China. But I think they'll use economic warfare, the US Treasury uh, terrorism division that was 
devising the sanctions against Russia will probably come into play fairly soon for the Trump uh, administration. But uh, they're going to mainly go after the Netanyahu agenda to, to uh, knock Iran out of the power game in the Middle East because uh, Israel has uh, very good leverage over Saudi Arabia. Keep in mind that Obama, to get the Iran deal, had alienated the Netanyahu government. Netanyahu defied the White House and made a special joint uh, address to both houses of Congress before the Iran deal was approved, finally. And the White House was furious. So the, the Obama strategy, Muslim Brotherhood at all, had really alienated Israel and it had alienated Saudi Arabia in a huge way. So now I think we're going to see Saudi Arabia, Israel, and they're going to try to bring Erdogan back into the family of NATO because if Erdogan continues uh, integrating with the Shanghai cooperation countries, which is Russia, China, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, the Central Asian republics, then uh, a key pillar of NATO in the Middle East is, is gone. So it's a very, uh, you know, kind of delicate, tricky situation. I'm speaking with international political analyst, economist, and author F. William Engdahl. Today's show, The Incredible Trump Deception. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. If they put Iran in the crosshairs, mm-hmm. and you are saying that it would probably start out with some sort of increased economic sanctions, mm-hmm. they're going to be against the deal with Iran, etc. If they're at the same time cozying up to Russia, Russia wouldn't be too happy about an attack on Iran. Not at all. No. So do you think this would go so far as a, a military attack on Iran? I think that's a little bit down the road because it's highly, highly dangerous for for the West and for Israel's security itself, especially since Iran has these S-400 anti-missile batteries that Russia supplied them beginning this year. So, you know, they can prevent Israeli jet attacks or bombing attacks uh, in crucial areas. But uh, I don't think they're going to go for immediate military action in any of these places, they're not ready. That's the whole point about, you know, the rebuilding, making America great again, rebuilding the infrastructure. They they need to have a period of years, several years, maybe four, maybe six, maybe eight, it's just a guess, to get the industrial base to launch a sustained war against two of the most powerful nations on earth, Russia and China. Yeah, well, it certainly sounds pretty questionable whether they're going to be able to do that. Do you think Mm. it's even possible? I think it's in the end, it's going to fail. If you think about it, all of the solutions to keep, uh, I wrote a book, uh, maybe we talk about it at some future point, called The Lost Hegemon, whom the gods would destroy. And The Lost Hegemon is the patriarchs or the oligarchy of the United States that as the sole superpower as Father Bush proclaimed uh, when he collapsed the Soviet Union in 1991. By the way, I'm writing a book on that 
George Bush Sr. and uh, a network of CIA old boys around Bush corrupted several KGB generals, staged a fake coup to put Yeltsin in, and uh, Yeltsin created the oligarchs together with the CIA to loot Russia and destroy the nation. And it was only in 1999 when, through kind of shrewd maneuvering, an unknown politician and former KGB officer named Vladimir Putin became president. So, you know, this is fascinating history, but Putin is not naive. I, I'm convinced of that. And uh, I think he'll take the use out of any kind of uh, thaw in relations with the Trump presidency and be friendly and listen carefully. But in the end of the day, he's not naive. He's one of the shrewdest politicians uh, that I've ever seen. And I've, I've seen him two times now in person in, in St. Petersburg when I was invited to speak at a, a major international economic forum there. And he addressed the plenum one time with, with uh, Charlie Rose and one time with uh, Farid Zakaria. Is that right? The Newsweek? Uh, yes, uh, I, I think I saw a clip from that myself. Yeah. And in both cases, they tried to get under Putin's skin, and he just, you know, like the judo expert, he just, you know, <laughs> knocked them on their backside. Uh, so he's very, very sharp, very well prepared, very clear about the things under his responsibility, and uh, uh, he's not naive. So I don't think the Russian press, I have many friends in Russia, the Russian press is euphoric over Trump, I would almost say. But I think little by little, it's beginning to temper that. Partly my article was reprinted in the Russian media. No, I saw a clip of uh, Vladimir Putin from what you're talking about, and he was very cool and mm. disarmed <laughs> these uh, questioners uh, magnificently, yeah. I thought. Oh, he's, he's brilliant. Uh, and he does it with no notes. Uh, you know, it's not set up in advance. No. Uh, and, and some of the questions that Zachary, Zachary is, uh, you know, one of these CIA media types. I don't know if he has a, a card from Langley, Virginia, but it doesn't need to. He's, he's you know, complete establishment uh, hatchet man. And he wanted to destabilize Putin in the worst sort of way about the Olympics, the doping, and so forth. And Putin just ripped him to pieces. He said, we don't know what those tests were because we had to give them to this uh, Olympic doping testing agency, some, I think in France, and we never saw them again. We couldn't cross-check them, and uh, we had to take their word for it. Turns out that the agency who did those tests was, was corrupt. But, uh, you know, everything was being done. And he didn't lose his cool. He just you know, kept the high road. And Zachariah was really hard-pressed to to uh, do his job. But now it's going to be a, a very different kind of challenge, I think, for Russia and for, uh, for the world. With regard to the new Trump presidency and rebuilding uh -huh. the infrastructure, uh -huh. with interest rates going up, could you talk a little bit about how they would do this financially? Now, obviously, they're not going to Mickey around with the Fed, right? I mean, they're going to leave that the way it is, I would think. The Fed's, the Fed's going to be part of the game. 
they're going to the Fed's going to start raising interest rates probably in ten days when they meet next, what the thirteenth. Uh, they'll raise it a quarter percent, then another quarter percent the next meeting in January or February, whenever it is, and they're going to do it gradually, but it's going to go upward, and that is going to create because of the expectation, the way financial markets work. I've studied this now for over thirty years. Uh, it's the expectation of the next move that creates the action now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think they deliberately waited until after the election, and now you're going to have Trump setting up this infrastructure bank or, or fund. It's going to be a public-private partnership, as much as we know so far, mm-hmm. and like a real estate investment trust in the 1980s, something that Trump knows very well. They're going to suck money in. They're going to probably give huge tax breaks to inv- private investors to come into this. So it won't be pure taxpayer, you know, dollars that that are involved in it. And frankly, that's how I would do it if I were. But I would really rebuild the peaceful infrastructure, not the military. In any case, so I think that's what we're going to see. And uh, you know, the independence of the Fed, the the Fed rules Washington, not the other way around. It, you know, it's the private bankers of Wall Street who own the Fed. They own the stocks of the Federal Reserve. It's a private bank, by the way. Most Americans don't know this. And uh, its job is to support the agenda of six banks who have a balance sheet larger than the gross domestic product of 99% of the nations of this world since the repeal of Glass-Steagall and under Bill Clinton, President Clinton in 1999, you know, these banks have just become so mammoth. The line is they're too big to fail. And I would say they're too big to save. They should be nationalized and chopped up into bite-sized pieces so that they don't blackmail the whole country and the whole world financial markets the way they do. But that's what, that's what they're going to try. I, I see it quite clearly. So when you talk about a, a Trump presidency rebuilding domestic infrastructure, you're referring to the military infrastructure. Is that right? Yeah. Well, you need to have uh, aluminum production. Why not do this in America like we did in, in the end of the 30s with the, uh, you know, building all these hydroelectric dams on the West Coast? Now the water supply is a problem. But uh you need to have electric power to do this. You need to really ramp these things up and uh, not be dependent on Chinese microchips for the American military. <laughs> That's a little bit high risk if you're going to go to war against China in five or ten years. So I think that's what they're going to do. And people, many people will say, oh, jobs again. Okay, I can go to work. I can regain my self-respect and feed my family, and kids can go to college, and who knows what. I don't know if you want to say anything about Congressman Mike Pompeo of Kansas, the director of uh, Central Intelligence. I think you mentioned him. I mentioned him. The problem is very few people know anything about him. I assume he's one of these CIA types that's inserted into Congress, uh, you know, just kind of like sleepers. uh, and then he's, you don't bring an amateur in to be the head of the CIA. Well, yeah, I mean, I never heard of the guy before, so you're making an excellent point. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I mean, who's he? Yeah. <laughs> it's not like you, you bring in, uh, you know, Alan Dulles or 
<laughs> you know, this is this is this is who? <laughs> but no, that's an excellent point you make. That must be what's going on. Yeah, I think I think uh, maybe we close with something that I, I researched her background. I'm, I'm going through all the cabinet, and it's amazing what comes up. But uh, the education secretary now, education is something that I normally don't uh, delve into I, you know i have my thoughts on it of course but uh, uh the secretary of education uh, i looked her up her name is betsy devos devos you know amway have you ever heard of amway oh yes of course well her husband is amway she's a billionaire and her maiden name is elizabeth prince her younger brother is a man named Eric Prince, founder of Blackwater. Wow. <laughs> you know, there's not a not a trick been missed here. And, you know, it's one of these, I don't know if you're religious, but I, I'm trying my best to get away from religion uh, that I grew up with. But uh, uh, she's part of this... Uh, born-again Christian uh, uh, ideology which is used to, to create wars. It's, it's simply, a, you know, this fake Christianity that I was astonished when I was in, in college in the, in the late 60s uh, and uh, uh, early 70s. The, the phenomenon, I grew up in Texas, and this born-again phenomenon, uh, it just is just staggering what power that took in the space of 10 years over over the politics of America. And she's part of that, the divorce. Oh, so you think she's a real, a, a true believer? No, they're not true believers. He's a, she's a true manipulator of true believers, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I think. And, but anyway, it's, you know, the, every single one, the, the, uh, who's another one, let's see. Every selection, you know, the, the, the accidental phone call with Taiwan, nothing is accidental so far. They're planning every single thing. Now China is completely off balance. They're wondering what, what you know, is this guy just stupid? Is he unbriefed? Uh, you know, and then Trump follows it up with a tweet. And they say, well, what is he doing tweeting? You send diplomatic cables, you don't tweet. <laughs> this is really, it's really something rare. Regarding the powers behind the Donald Trump candidacy, you think that there was a long-term plan behind mm -hmm. all of this, right? Mm -hmm. Even potentially that maybe Hillary Clinton wasn't informed, but there are pictures on the internet of Donald Trump and Bill Clinton playing golf together maybe 10 years ago, and you never saw two chummier friends <laughs> You know, these aren't ideological enemies. Someone told me years ago that uh, before the 1992 campaign, Clinton against uh, Bush Sr., that that uh, Clinton, as governor of Arkansas, had been invited 19 times to the Kenny Bunkport main compound of the Bush family uh, to talk world politics. Yeah, it was very strange. So... It's, uh, I think, the vestiges of democracy kind of started withering on the vine after the assassination of the Kennedy brothers in the 60s. And since then, it's been step by step into a, a 
covert deep state police state, whatever you want to call it, oligarchy. William Engdahl, thank you very much. Well, thank you. I hope it was of use to your listeners, and uh, I enjoyed it very much, Bonnie. I've been speaking with F. William Engdahl. Today's show has been The Incredible Trump Deception. William Engdahl is an international political analyst, economist, and author. He is currently visiting professor of geopolitics at Northwestern University, Xi'an, China. Among his best-known books are A Century of War, Anglo-American Oil Politics, and the New World Order. Gods of Money, Wall Street, and the Death of the American Century and Seeds of Destruction, The Hidden Agenda of Genetic Manipulation, completing a trilogy on the power of oil, food, and money control. His book, Target China, How Washington and Wall Street Plan to Cage the Asian Dragon, has been a bestseller in Chinese. His latest book is The Lost Hegemon, Whom the Gods Would Destroy, about the CIA and political Islam. Visit WilliamEngdahl.com to sign up for a free bi-monthly geopolitical newsletter with significant content. He is launching a new monthly subscription audio seminar. That's WilliamEngdahl.com. William, E-N-G-D-A-H-L dot com. Guns and Butter is produced by Bonnie Faulkner, Yaramako, and Tony Rango. Visit us at gunsandbutter.org to listen to past programs, comment on shows, or join our email list to receive our newsletter that includes recent shows and updates. Email us at faulkner at gunsandbutter.org. Follow us on Twitter at GNB Radio. Hey, yo, these are some serious times that we live in, G. And our new world order is about to begin. Are you ready for the real revolution, which is the evolution of the mind? If you seek, then you shall find that we all come from the divine. You dig what I'm saying? Now, if you take heed to the words of wisdom that are written on the walls of life, then universally we will stand and divided we will fall because love conquers all. You understand what I'm saying? This is a call to all you sleeping souls. Wake up and take control of your own cipher. And be on the lookout for the spirit sniper trying to steal your life. 